The McElroy brothers are not experts, and their advice should never be followed. Travis insists he's a sexpert, but if there's a degree on his wall, I haven't seen it. Also, this show isn't for kids, which I mention only so the babies out there will know how cool they are for listening. What's up, you cool baby? It's familiar, but not too familiar, but not too Welcome to my brother, my brother, me an advice show for the modern era. I'm your oldest brother, Justin McElroy. I'm your middleest brother, Travis McElroy. I'm your sweet baby bubbykins, Griffin McElroy. Uh, if you've never listened to our program before, uh, we take your problems and turn them alchemy-like into wisdom. Uh, I, myself, though, am coming up on one of the, the first challenges, the first major challenges of my adult life. Things have been pretty smooth. But uh, we're counting down to, we're about T-minus three weeks, but let's hope for like two weeks or one week and a half. Till or tomorrow. I, or really? tomorrow. So you like, can party again. With, uh, to mean like basically never doing anything again ever. Yeah. That, I mean, I would be psyched to just have excuses just like chill all the time that's what yeah that's what you, dadhood is like it's just yeah because that's what i've heard you have a new baby and it's just, just chill, like chill all the all time, time. Up, no baby? but like you do when you get like a super big dose of that before the baby comes because it's just like you don't feel like doing anything uh because the nesting i think uh yesterday i did take on probably what has been the most the single most horrifying step of this entire thing it is not you would think that there were any number of things that would have terrified me over the past few months and you would be correct right uh but you took a brisk class yeah i i uh because you're doing that shit yourself you're taking that shit in your own hands diy there's no no brissing for this for this baby but i uh I did install a child safety seat yesterday, a car seat yesterday, which I thought would be sort of a breezy way. I'm following along my parenting book, Get Ready for Baby Book, and, and to, this week's activity was to install the child right. safety seat. Is the, like, is the title a, like trying to get you psyched for the next baby book? Is it like get ready for this book? It's gonna <laughs> no. be it's gonna be so tight. You're no. not prepared for the words that we've got in this. It's one. like get ready for your sick baby coming it's coming just dropping this year get pumped get psyched so i'm putting in the child safety seat it is the single most terrifying lawyers i'm assuming it's lawyers god i hope it's lawyers have made the the actual like installation manual it reads like a guide on how to dispose of uh, uh an improvised explosive device it yeah. is terrifying here is here is a literal literal section from the thing you have to adjust the recline on the seat oh, okay right. i want the baby to be comfortable i'm gonna have a a smooth ride I'm and a sweet lean i'm a, yeah a nice just a nice chilled out ride in the manual it literally says if the seat is leaning forward too far your baby's head weight will make breathing impossible if it's leaning back too far then in the in case of a, a of a wreck then uh the the seat will not protect your child so basically wait you does got, it give you an indication of like the degree to which you're trying to okay the seat? there is an indicator on the side which me- measures the levelness of the the seat if the indicator is all blue it's safe for zero to three months. If it's all blue with literally one sixteenth of an inch of darker blue, it's safe for three to six months. Oh fuck you, this parents! Is, it is literally like a scene from Die Hard. Does it come I'm with like, a, Does the 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 seat come with like a protractor that you have to use? Um, that, that's like this zone is full baby death guaranteed. Guaranteed. Like a test baby that you could like try it out on, just like a, just a burner baby. <laughs> you just put the baby in it, see how it works the first time. You're like, okay, see now this baby can't breathe. Glad we tried it out on this baby before we put our baby in it. Yeah. Yeah, There, there is no safety net like that. You, you, it actually says in the instruction manual, and, and I, I had a, an, a gentleman who wanted to sell me roofing service 
uh, echoed this advice. He said, you know, if you take that to the police station, they will tell you if you did it right or not. <laughs> Is that a I, service police provide? Apparently. I, and I think it's just for convenience because if you can't install the seat, then they put you in jail because <laughs> you're too dumb to have a kid. That'd be some sick pre-crime shit. Like, we are, we are just going to go ahead and toss you in here for future murder. I don't see my, no dark blue strip. My comfort, the only comfort I take in, in this uh, entire process is I've been alive for 33 years. I've seen some people, okay? I've seen some people. And their parents didn't manage to kill them with their child safety seat. So I have to assume that, like, I can I can swing this. Because I know some people. There's no way you're going to be the worst at this. Uh, okay, enough of this uh, diversion. Enough of this clever banter. Enough of this hilarious warm-up. It's time for the main event. We've got a big show. Uh, Eat, Pray, Love author Elizabeth Gilbert. And also signature of all things, uh, author Elizabeth Gilbert is going to be joining us as a guest expert. Uh, that's coming up uh, in just a little while. I don't think I've ever teased anything in the show, and I don't so know. Stick if that's with a, us after the commercial break. A structural issue, or just like we've never had anything to tease. But here you go. There, it's our first ever tease. Uh, but for now, let's let's take some of these questions and turn them into answers. I have a problem with speaking up. I frequently have to repeat myself, and people often tell me that I talk too quietly. When I increase the volume, it feels like I'm yelling or that my voice takes on an unpleasant or harsh tone. What can I do to make sure that I'm being heard without feeling as though I'm shouting in people's faces? That's from Whispering in Wisconsin. Ah, I know that problem. No, you don't know no, that No, no, no. Here's the thing. Surprising to most, I, while I am very loud and verbose when like telling a story or a joke or entertaining people or ordering food at a restaurant or but here's uh, the thing I, half the time I mumble out my order or half the time if I want to ask somebody a question I don't like enunciate I say it really quiet and kind of mumbly and it's either one of those two is I'm either super loud or like really awkward and quiet and mumbly and Teresa yeah. calls me on this all the time and it's like there is no middle ground for me. Yeah, you never sound normal. Yeah. No, never not really. I'm surprised you you have found a a, a fair amount of success I would say in this audio only medium while I possessing I have the microphone turned down to 1%. Yeah. And even now, like even that when you said percent you're popping your plosives, you're yeah. shouting. You don't even know that you're shouting right now, but the people are listening like is he mad at me? Uh, this is not a fun podcast listening experience for me. Travis is basically three quarters of the way to an SNL character. That right. Is correct. I mean, it looks like Chris Kattan. That's not fair, Travis. I'm sorry I said that. No, you I grew a to. whole not beard. Anymore. You got a whole beard going on. He can't grow a beard. Yeah. Chris, take that, Kattan. Not since the fire. Just talk a little louder. You guys don't need us for these. No, here's <laughs> the thing. No, here's the thing. I think there's an. Inf I can infer a problem here. And I think the problem is not that they're jumping from, like, quiet to loud. It's that when he speaks at a normal volume, or she speaks at a normal volume, they feel loud. Which so, I think that that point is more of a self-confidence about either your speaking voice, because you feel like it's harsh and unpleasant, or you feel like you're yelling and being boisterous. I think that it, it comes from an inherent fear of voicing your opinions and saying what you need. Let me help you out here. Your problem is that you're, you're yelling from your, your head. You need it. Where's your power? A lot of people ask me that. Justin, where's my power? In my vagina. Okay. Uh, it's it's down deep in your diaphragm. That's where you got to push the sound from. Right now, you can't see it, but I've got uh, several leather restraints wrapped around my stomach to help me uh, remember to always be pushing air out of my diaphragm. I literally have no room to exhale. I'm waiting <laughs> until after the show to exhale. Right. You gotta uh, wait to exhale. I'm uh, waiting to exhale. Correct. Right. Uh, they're also there for sex stuff. They're sex stuff related adjacent. They're sex adjacent, I would say. Yeah. They're sex adjacent. It's amazing. Us. Those two things don't have to be mutually exclu exclusive. It can both be good for your support and mm -hmm. for your sex stuff. This helps yeah. me talk good in public and also the chafing does things vis-a-vis -vis boners. Mm -hmm. That so, is a yeah. good... You know, sex stuff. Sex that stuff. is a good point, though, because uh, you learn in theater the ability to, like, support and not yell. Like, you can you project go. and you that's can be confident about. without, like, yelling to the back of the theater. So I think that's it. Just support yourself with air. Feel confident in what you say. 
Let me uh, let me let me perform a quick demonstration. Terrific! Okay. I can't wait for this. <laughs> this is me speaking with my normal voice. You can hear uh, all of this sound is coming from my mouth and mm-hmm. my neck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sh- the that- shit in your neck meat that makes the yeah, sound waves. Neck meat is filtering the sound waves out right. through what scientists call. You're s- the the shout hole your your moist your moist cords are slapping together like two fishes thrown together at a fish market so this is just my normal this is all with without any other support yeah and now I'm talking <laughs> with my diaphragm. You can hear clear difference. Oh, Justin, I'm in wait, the back wait, of the what? theater. I'm in the back of the theater, and I'm hearing every word of that. Yes. Why does your diaphragm have an accent? Uh, it's just from the sound being pushed out. <laughs> I disagree. Oh, oh that's painful. Yeah. Well, I, I think it I can hurts to act. in one more. <laughs> it hurts to act. That's why they pay him so much. It's <laughs> not easy. That's uh, why Liza Minnelli got out of the game for so long. You actually yes. sounded exactly like Liza Minnelli right there, so I think there might be a little bit of truth to what you're saying. She had to have her mouth hole completely redone. Yeah, yeah completely She burned it out. Uh, y'all want a Yahoo? Hit me. How about this Yahoo? It was sent in by our good buddy Drew Davenport. Um, he has a lot more um, honorary titles, but I'm trying to keep this show, you know, popping, you know, fast. Thank you, Drew Davenport. It's by Yahoo Answers user George or Jorge, who asks, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, uh, who asks, my 14-year-old son wants to be naked for Halloween? In July, we usually buy our Halloween costumes because the Halloween shop that we go to stays open until July. Then That's the every- smartest fucking thing I've ever heard on Yahoo Answers. Then everything is 75% off. I mean, they didn't come up with it. They didn't come up with this Halloween costumes racket. Fair. Um, I know, crazy, right? That wasn't me. That was the Yahoo. Uh, <laughs> I have three children, one three-year-old, one six-year-old, and one 14-year-old, all boys. I got this cute Bumblebee costume for my three-year-old, and my six-year-old wanted to dress up as Darth Vader. Funny how he still loves Star Wars, though. But my 14-year-old says he just wants to go trick-or-treating naked. <laughs> and when I asked him again if he wanted a costume, he said he wanted to go completely naked and that it would save us money anyway. I am the very nice kind of dad, and I don't like to be stern or mean. But I don't know, but is it okay for my 14-year-old son to trick-or-treat naked? Love, George. Uh-huh. I'm just kind of an amateur dad right now, but I can go ahead and tell you that is not, that's not what nice daddies do. Yeah. That nice daddies don't let their kids run around. Now, if you're a cool dad, cool you let dad. your kid run around with his dong out and stuff. <laughs> and check out my kid's kiblets. Hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm one of those cool dads. Hey, Dad, my penis is in like a really crazy transformational 14-year-old phase right now. It's covered. It's pupating. It's the worst. But I do want to get that out and just sort of show the neighborhood. Um, can I do that? No, you can't do that. Why are you so stern and mean, Dad? Oh, shit. I just figured this question out. Finally. This 14-year-old doesn't want to go trick-or-treating anymore. Oh, so they're calling their bluff. Yeah, he thinks he's too old to go out trick-or-treating. So he's like, yeah, I'll go, Dad, if you let me go naked. But this is a dang, this this Dongman's Gambit is a fucking dangerous game. Yeah, if you get it's your, a dangerous game. If George or Jorge calls your bluff, that's it. Yeah. You're done in have that we, town, professionally. Have we, have we considered that maybe naked is the name of a new street drug? Dad, I'm not gonna trick or treat. I'm gonna go on naked mm-hmm. because and and he gets all tripped out, all hopped up on goofballs, and then he's running around the neighborhood all all cranked on naked. Mm-hmm. And it, kids are like shouting at him because they recognize it because they're in middle school too. They know the they know the score. They're shouting at him. It's like he's on the uh, Jorge Junior's on that nude. He's wanged on that nude. <laughs> and ironically, one of the clearest signs that someone is on naked is they can't stand yeah. the feel of clothes on their body. Yeah, they right. Take so it they off. do get na- they do the name, in fact right? get naked. Yeah, that's why. Do they you call think them. maybe he just wants to like slim good body it? Oh, maybe like a see-through suit so you can see yeah. his insides. That might be a good compromise. I want to go as na- now. You will have to put like a full dong on the suit. Yeah, slim good body. I don't remember. Let me hold on. Let me do a quick Google image search. Yeah, no dick here. <laughs> no dicks on Slim Good Body. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh no, that's like guts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He went clearly. He went full like Visible Man. Yeah, but yeah. you can't see like his uh, testes. 
He can't example. see his like testes or his um what is what are those his cords? good buddies. His what good I've seen his good buddies. <laughs> Can we get back to the real question here? Absolutely. Which Absolutely. is what fucking fourteen year old in existence has ever been like? People have got to check out what I have going downtown. People have to see what I'm working with in my downtown, my 14-year-old downtown. A confident 14-year-old. Oh, Kevin. yeah, or uh, like a chimera, because it doesn't fucking exist. He's it's like chosen. a dragon. He's the Quetzalcoatl. He's the one who's not afraid of his 14-year-old you, dong. He got his dick figured out at 10, is what you're mm-hmm. saying. Okay, what if, what if this is uh, a sort of research project for him? He so doesn't have his dong figured out that he needs to stroll around town with it exposed to judge from reactions as to whether or not he has suitable or possibly deformed equipment. He has no, there's no uh, 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 comparisons for him. So in order to judge the quality of his dong, he's just gonna look at people's faces and see see what their reactions to it are. uh, are. Have you guys checked out that documentary on Netflix about the 14 year old kid who just wants to see what people think of his dong? (laughs) Zero Dreams of Sushi? Boyhood? Boyhood. That's what, the, boyhood. that's what the film Boyhood is, and it's great because you get to watch, you get to watch that pupation in process over eleven years in high definition. Go see it in IMAX. You won't regret it. It's a when little the bit. Year old, the, the ten-year-old boy forms a cocoon around himself. Yeah. At fourteen, bursts out, fully formed, dong and all. Yeah. And then walks around the neighborhood and gets some Kit Kats. Yeah. If you've uh, not listened to our show before, that's the portion where we talk about teenage dong. <laughs> And now here's the next question. Is there a way I could ask my husband to lose a little weight? He has always carried a little weight, <laughs> but in the last year, it's getting blueberry, blubbery around his head. <laughs> it's getting blueberry around. He ate, uh, some, he ate, some, magic, he ate some magic bubble gum. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm an active person and I'm pretty disciplined about portion size and eating healthy. Is there a way I can ask him to trim down without absolutely hurting his feelings. And that's from uh, Sydney McElroy <laughs> in Huntington, West Virginia. Wow, usually they don't include the whole name. Oh, mm, oh, mm, oh, mm. That's uh, weird, because I'm married to a, wait a minute. Um, I mean, let's be realistic, that's from every every person currently married to a McElroy man. Uh-huh. Well, Travis eats 20 cookies a day. How yeah. do I get him just to cut back to 10? 10 cookies a day? Just reasonable. I mean, I guess, I mean, this one's hitting a little close to home, guys. It's hard to make goose when it's like... How would I want someone to tell me I'm chubbing up? Right. Is this this what it's like to be on, like, the receiving end of our our goof maelstrom? (laughs) I don't like this at all. The goofsters have become the goof. I don't like this one bit. You could, you don't have to talk to him about losing weight. You could just start altering the life that the two of you share. So when you're going to go out on a walk, then um, invite him to go along and tell him maybe you're going to go for ice cream and then wander around the neighborhood and say, huh, I guess they lost the ice cream store. Well, I guess we should go home now. now. Who He'll lost fall for that? Who lost five, it? six, seven times? Who lost the ice cream store in this situation? We, that both of them. They're like, I, I thought, th- th- thought there was a new one around here. Uh, never mind. Let's go home, and he'll fall for that. If it was me, seven, eight, nine, ten times. So there, there's a week and a half of of exercise. Now, as far as portion control goes, that's very easy. Uh, when the two of you are making dinner or, or you're ordering, order exactly enough for two small portions. That's all you can make. Mm-hmm. And then if he eats too much more, then you just <gasps> take like a little sliver. Just like, oh, I guess there's only this much left for me. How about this play? You're at Applebee's. Because where else are you going to go? See you tomorrow, Applebee's. You go to Applebee's. <laughs> that, is, that is their slogan. See I know this. You go to Applebee's, and both of you get a delicious, like, shitty steak with, like, a bunch of cheese melted on top of it. <laughs> and then um, you both get that. And it's good, that. but you hate yourself. It's good, but it fucking sucks. And then you take yours and accidentally throw it on the ground. And then you say, oh, I know, I made a whoopsie again. And then he says, don't worry, we'll go half-seas on mine. And then you do that every time that you eat anything, anywhere, ever again. And he's going to get curious after a while, like, God damn it, God, Sheila. Did I marry the God girlfriend? damn it, Sheila. God damn it, Sheila, you promised. <laughs> Sheila, I warn you, if that happened one more time, I was going to insist you got an MRI. I think there's something <laughs> seriously wrong in there, up in your brain goo. 
Um, so that could work. That could work, maybe. You That's can how- always just drop shit by saying, like, uh, uh, we need to eat better. We need to exercise. That shit. Like that, that dog don't. Gotten. That dog don't hunt, though. Like, nah, that won't fly. That's, like, very direct. Yeah. Well, if we want to go indirect, could you gaslight him? And while he's at work, switch out his clothes, all of them for, like, half a size smaller each day. That's some. If that up. happened to me, all I would think is, man, my muscles are getting huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't exercise, know. Just, exercise. Yeah. Um. No, Travis, that's some psychopageant mom shit. Okay. Don't I, I would somewhere could between you, being you, completely direct and psychopageant mom. Could shit. you put him on the pageant circuit and assume Ooh. that the that the uh, 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 disapproving looks from the other moms will sort of like edge him towards uh, now, Justin, wanting better fitness? Do you assume those disapproving moms uh, they're looking at him that way because he's a little chubby or because he's a thirty-five-year-old uh, man look, competing look, against six-year-old? Look girls? at him on that stage. God, he could afford to lose fifteen or twenty pounds. He would be so much healthier. What is he doing? Get, lose 15 pounds and get a flipper, Dave. Get it. Dave, look also, at your teeth. his baton routine was weak. His baton routine was terrible, and also, he is an old man, <laughs> and everyone else here isn't. Here is the way you can encourage any He's man. He's not going to sleep in that princess bed. Here is the way you can encourage any man to become physically fit. I just solved this problem for all of the world. You ready? You ready for this? I guess. Uh-huh. Buy him two items. One, a 10-foot wall. Two, a sweet grappling hook. I guarantee he will be in your yard and do everything in his power until he is able to climb the rope attached to the grappling hook like a sweet, sweet ninja. He will do whatever fitness things he needs to do. He will work on it every night. He will not stop until he can scale it and feel like an awesome wall scaling guy. Now, Justin, I feel like that's awesome advice. Not the most actionable we've ever given because I don't know where one buys a 10-foot high wall. You got to build it. Got to build if it. He's, if he's going to learn to get fit, you got to learn a little carpentry and masonry, okay? Yep. Get some rocks, get some slack, get some glue. That wall's gonna fall and kill your husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then, then he'll be much thinner. <laughs> he will be a flat. new skinny husband. You, could, you just gotta flat Stanley your husband. He'll lose an entire dimension. <laughs> um, you wanna go to Money Zone? Uh, yes, I do. So, everybody's tried Hulu on their computer, but. Did you know about Hulu Plus? It's like the Hulu on your computer, but way better. Because there's a ton of stuff on there that you can watch from a ton of different devices. Uh, New Girl? Sure. The Good Wife? Catch up on that. Scandal? Don't mind if I do. Family Guy? Revenge? Glee? Community? Uh, There's an insane amount of stuff just waiting there for you. Dying for you to watch it. Did you know that if you don't watch New Girl... Then Zoe Deschanel sits inside your TV and waits patiently, staring out a window for you to come and watch her program. Listening, listening to Patsy Cline songs. The sad mm-hmm. ones. Just sitting and staring and waiting for you. How could you do this? It works on a smart TV. Sure. Roku. Yep. Apple TV. You got an Xbox. Uh, you can watch on your phone, tablet, train. Dentist, don't do that at the dentist, actually. You probably should. I think that's going to cause some issues. No, they, they give you some time. They, they put the Novocaine in, and then they go, we'll be back in in like 20 minutes, and that's a New Girl episode. That's a yeah. single New Girl episode. It is just eight bucks a month, okay, which is a steal, but uh, you're going to get a two-week free trial. That's right. No eight bucks for you. You're gonna you're gonna try out the luxury service, this express line to Entertainment City by going to HuluPlus.com slash brother. That's HuluPlus.com slash my brother. Take a day off and of work and just eat all the TV you can. And just keep Zoe Deschanel from dying from loneliness. Yeah. She's and in there right regular, now. If you're a regular listener of the show, then you know HuluPlus has been uh, a partner of ours for a long time now. They've been really, really supportive. So we want to keep that going. So make sure you go to HuluPlus.com slash my brother to prove to them 
that you heard about it from that us. That they're not just flushing their money down the shitter. Yeah. Yeah. I got a message, guys. Do you know who it's for? I do, because I'm, I'm reading gonna, it. Is it for Derek F.? Yeah. Can you read this? Yeah. I got, I got tired halfway through, because I remember okay. I did that entire Hulu Plus ad, and I got exhausted. So you want me to take over? Please. This message is for Derek F. And it's from your friend Tim, who says, This year, you moved out of my house. You also became a real-life human adult male, a.k.a. had your 30th birthday. That's not how that works. It is. I've known since college that you were stuck with my fraternal bond of friendship forever. So while you moved out of my house, you could never move out of my heart. Aww. That is so sweet. May your 30th year be full of wonder, success, and homoeroticism. That's wonderful. Wow. That would be a very powerful 30th year. Sure. A lot of of sexual awakening. A lot of of success. A lot of cool. Cool. Totally great. Wonder. Wonder. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And some new urges. (laughs) I love it. I'm into it. Unfamiliar, but not unpleasant. 30 years is a long time to go without dabbling and dibbling. (laughs) Just a little dabbling. Just a little dabble. Little dabble will do you. Oh, wait. What? Nope, it won't. It, it did it. Yeah, but it did not do it. You're going to go back for the double dabble. Double dabble, <laughs> do don't you? Mind. Oh. Uh, who is this message for? Why? Well, it's for Do Kate. a dollop a daisy. You know I mean? <laughs> and who is the message from? It's from Mod. Okay. They pronounce, They gave us a fucking phonetic pronunciation. <laughs> and if we, okay. don't, if we don't use it. Well, if you tell me how to phonetically pronounce DG. Majdi. Majdi. Yeah, it's just like reading, like the letters com- come together to, pre- to, like, they create little discrete sounds. And then Kate. you attach those to each other. This is a message for Kate from Majdi. Terrific. Uh, what is in your message? Sorry. Should we start this one over? No, I love how bad you've done so far. <laughs> oh, good. Hey, Kate. You're a pretty great person. I thought you might want to hear from your second favorite group of brothers. Okay. Oh, thanks for reading all my dumb stuff and listening to my equally silly stories. I look forward to even more brain circles with you. Also, I love you. Also, I'm John Hands. Man, I hope that wasn't a a a, a kill order. I'm mean, sure <laughs> John Hands. Or what if John Hands Majdi Majdi has been catfishing Kate as <gasps> role playing as John Hands. And then this is the big reveal. I mean, it's not very big. I've seen your, way bigger. Your fiance, like John Hands, <laughs> cancel, cancel the flight to your getaway wedding in Aruba with John Hands because it's been me the whole time. Enjoy the podcast. I do love you, though. I do love you, and I want to go to more brain I didn't mean for it to you. go this far. You just seem so happy with John Hands, and can, I didn't want to take that away, but it got out of hands. Can I tell you? Can I say something in Machi's defense? Uh huh. Nobody means for their catfish to go as far as it inevitably ends up going. God knows that's true. Everyone wants to jump in, do a double dabble, and then before they know it, they're on their like 19th dabble. And they're like, fuck, this is way too deep. I gotta break the news. But I can't because I'm scared. There's no off ramp for catfishing. No. You just have to take it to the logical conclusion, which is marriage or murder. Mm hmm. That's the two, only two ways a good catfish can end. A great this next catfish. message is from Mark Abbott. And it's. From Mark's friend Mike. <laughs> That's the first time I think we've ever had contextual. Who is it? From. I love it. Now, now keep in mind, Mark's friend Mike is the one writing, filling in these boxes. So Mike identifies as Mark's friend. He introduces himself. As, oh, I'm Mark's friend, Mike. Who's Mark? You're alone. You know, Mark. Mark Abbott. You, you know, know. Mark it's my Abbott. friend Mark. And he says, "Hey, Mark." Since you got me a sweet new job, I decided to use part of my first check to buy you this message. Oh, great so money, wait. great money management. My dog, Mike. <laughs> I know I was deeply in debt and owed you $500, but whatever. So in a way, it's like you bought it yourself. Thanks for the job and many years of friendship. Hopefully I'll still be employed by the time the brothers get around to reading this. This also counts as the birthday birthday present I never got you. Well, there you go. That's the baby. I love it. So happy birthday, Mark Abbott. I guess like happy. You sound like a solid, solid person. Just like getting yeah. this person a job and being like so cool with the enormous, disgusting amount of money that they owe you that you have just let slide. What's up? 
My name is Jasper Red, co-host of The Goose Down, along with the lovely Kimberly Clark, and we want to invite you into the comfort and groove of our podcast that encompasses the arts and entertainment. You can check us out at MaximumFun.org, also available on iTunes. See ya. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so thrilled to have with us a very special guest. Elizabeth Gilbert is the author of The Signature of All Things and Eat, Pray, Love. And she joins us for reasons that defy understanding here on My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Elizabeth Gilbert, welcome to our program. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying The Signature of All Things before Eat, Pray, Love. That is not a typical way to introduce me. Um, well, there you go. I'm into, like the new, I'm into the new stuff. I like it. You like you like my acoustic album. <laughs> right, exactly. Whatever the opposite of the deep deep cut is, right? If it's newer, it's I guess it's it is a a shallow, it is a um superficial cut. No, yeah. that sounds terrible. That's okay. <laughs> that sounds extremely offensive. It's nice to be on the show, Griffin. <laughs> yeah, thank you for your superficial cut. I'm just kidding. Uh so we're going to ask you some questions that have been submitted by our readers and you have to help them at least as much as we usually do. So Okay, um, but I've been listening to the show for years and I know that that sets the bar very it's high. Very low. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh so here we go. Okay, let's go. I am a low now, Ms. Gilbert, you you of course already know that at this point uh, I am in the character of the question asker. I'm <laughs> this is not actually I know, do not be confused. This is not just Ms. Gilbert, I'm gonna get really intimidated. So all right. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's Mrs. So, Gilbert. No, so, no. <laughs> you can call me Professor Gilbert. It's Dr. Gilbert Honorary. I didn't go um, to nine years of Gilbert school to be called Miss. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, again, so again, in in the character of the question asker. Yes, thank you. I'm a lowly bookstore employee here in sunny North Vancouver, Canada, and now I'm in West Virginia. So not this isn't me. This is the question asked. Oh my god, I got so confused. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> North Vancouver, Canada. What I want to know is, how should I be selling your books? Do you have a favorite? Should I stick to the classic Eat, Pray, Love, or is the signature of all things your new baby? That's from Brendan. Oh my gosh. How do you so, want to be marketed? That's so nice. Um, I'm going to send him a whole marketing plan for how he should be <laughs> selling my books. Um, I think he should play the hits personally because I think. Um, that people probably want to just keep reading Eat, Pray, Love, because that's certainly what it looks like. And um, if he likes the signature of all things and he's read it and he wants to hand sell it for that purpose, that's great. But I don't know. I, I don't feel like anybody's obliged to, um, I don't feel like anybody's obliged to come with me on all the creative journeys that I go on just because I like going on them. So I'm never offended when people just kind of stick to Eat, Pray, Love. Does that make sense? But what you're saying I, is, them royalties all spend the same. Yeah, them money spends. Ka-ching either way. <laughs> <laughs> there have got to be book hipsters, though, right? Like, oh, you're buying Eat, Pray, Love. Well, I guess that's all right. I mean, I like her B-sides, but that's fine. <laughs> B-sides now, from superficial to B-sides. You, you two are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I will pull out of that? That question that I think is interesting and that we could talk about is the idea of, he said, signature of all things is your new baby. And and that's something that I always try to talk people out of doing about their own work is calling it their baby because I think that sets you up for terrible trauma. Um, but I, I think the feeling that they're trying to get across, and I think it's something that like in the music scene especially, like I will get psyched to go see like a musical artist that I have loved my entire life, right? And then I go to their concert and they're like, "Here's only songs off our new album. Oh, you don't you don't know any of these songs, so I don't try that. and sing along." I hate. I heard um, John Cougar Mellencamp in an interview once, and he said people who work really hard and have hard lives didn't spend fifty bucks to come and hear me not sing Jack and Diane. <laughs> My, uh, I love that, and I feel like that. That's why sometimes very considerate interviewers will say, "I don't want to bother you with questions about Eat, Pray, Love," and I'm like, "It's my Jack and Diane." <laughs> yeah. People didn't come to this bookstore to hear me not. Say, you know, answer the question, What's uh, what was it like to see Julia Roberts play you in a Like, I'll answer that question 20,000 times because it's rude not to, I think. Um, J- so, yeah. Jimmy Buffett had a great quote, you know, uh, James Buffett, uh, song, songster, mm-hmm. and they, they asked him about Margaritaville, and he said, am I going to sing it to my daughter tonight as she goes to sleep? No. Am I going to sing it at the concert tomorrow? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's also got to be a little bit of like what gets them in the door, right? Like if they read whatever book and then go, now I want to read more. Or the same with like the musical artist. Maybe you hear Jack and Diane and then you go, I want to find out more about this John Cougar Mellencamp fellow. <laughs> who, is this, then that- who is this young upstart singing about, <laughs> singing about got Americana? A real He's got a French sound. <laughs> He's a comer, that one. Um, I my my, my parents him. went and saw Gordon Lightfoot once, and at the beginning of the concert, he announced that he would not be singing The Wreck of the Emma Fitzgerald, and they said, like, literally 20% of the audience just went up and left. That's so great. Is that, what is that, some sort of a love test on his count to see? Um, then he did sing it, like, okay, now I was just fucking with those guys. I am going to sing The Wreck of the Emma Because you're the only ones who deserve it, because you're, uh, you're the true love. You're the true light feet. I'm gonna sing. An, I I'm gonna Ruth, sing an abridged 14 minute version. I saw. I saw Rufus Wainwright once after uh, playing after Ben Folds, and it was an outdoor show. And like after Ben Folds finished, uh, a, I would say like a good third of the audience stood up and walked out as Rufus Wainwright was coming on stage. And the first thing he said was, "Well, now that all the straight people are gone." <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I have a backed up sink that I can't get running smoothly. What the hell? Elizabeth Gilbert. I've tried Drano <laughs> product with no luck. Any help would be greatly appreciated. That's from Backed Up in the Bay. I love our listeners. What a, We had John Roderick, um, rock musician, rock legend, the Cougar Mellencamp of our time, on the show, and somebody asked him about eating boneless chicken wings. I don't think... I, why squander the... Are you a I, sink expert? I, I don't want to brag, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I can totally answer this question, and I'm glad that Backed Up thought to send it to me. Um, first of all, stop washing your goat in your sink. There you go. Dude, yeah, that's, that's number a, one. That's yeah. the biggest problem right are they there. A shedding, are they a shedding animal? Um, goats are pretty, you know, they can be pretty sheddy depending upon the breed. Um, yeah. But I think that's the the problem that I I mean just I'm just doing this over the phone I haven't seen the sink but I'm guessing <laughs> yeah I'm or the goat from, or it's the a goat. very it's a very <laughs> car talk like experience what sound is your sink making is it like a rrr, 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 rrr? what sound is your goat making there's well, a lot my, of variables there's a lot of variables there also I would say move that's what I do that's what I do <laughs> when anything breaks. <laughs> It's uh, like the blue. It's like the blue bristles on your toothbrush when your sink stops working. It's time to get a new house. Yes, the house is the house is done. You're moving today, right? I'm you told today. us before we started. Is it a sink related issue? No, I had a light bulb go out oh, uh, okay. uh-huh. <laughs> on the porch, right. and I don't have a ladder that's yeah. tall enough to fix it. So we're moving. You do have a car with a lot of trunk space, that's though, right? And you that's do right. have some cardboard boxes. And every time I look at that burned out light bulb, now I'm like, not my problem anymore. Yeah. Next, <laughs> sorry, good, sucker. Good luck, next owner. Do, I didn't put that dis- in my homeowner's report. Yeah, you have to disclose that during the closing. <laughs> um, uh, I I removed a pretty horrific uh, clog from a drain a few months ago, and man, there is nothing that will disabuse you of whatever romanticism you have attached to humanity quicker than doing that and thinking this came from me. Did yeah. it look this like you pulled a rat? This. A rat out of the like just a dead. It's so disgusting. It's the worst. Ugh, it's brutal. Nice. It's like a wax covered rat. I've done that <laughs> before. It's nasty. It's nasty. Um, I covered happy. a rat in wax. I, did. <laughs> I made a candle out of it. A decorative it candle. Seems so cruel, Elizabeth. <laughs> when I get interested in some creative pursuit, I tend to go hard on consuming the behind the scenes media slash content for it. I'll start listening to a bunch of podcasts, follow various relevant public figures, reading blogs, etc. I started wondering if steeping myself in all this peripheral content is prematurely satisfying the desire to actually go and do. Did you guys, this Gilbert and brothers alike, experience anything like this before you started acting actively creating? Is the trade-off of insight versus potential stalling worth it? Am I completely imagining this problem? That's from interested but inactive. Um, I mean, it sounds like you, what you're talking about is is research. If you have like a, even like a potential desire to to dip in, then everything you're doing is research. The trouble is that you can like consume so much high quality content that it can scare you out of like, I'll never be able to make something like this. And then you I, don't do it. I also find, cause I do this a lot. Sometimes you can trick yourself into feeling like research is doing the thing and mm-hmm. never actually make progress on the actual project because yeah. you feel like you're already accomplishing something. Cause I get, I do that all the time where it's like, oh, I want to learn about this so I can do it. And then I learn about it and feel accomplished and never actually do the thing. Yeah. Do you guys feel like you know 
the difference, if you're being very honest with yourself, you know the difference between doing productive research and just dicking around. Like if, if you were to, like the, the question, the questioner, if he were to really ask himself as he's listening to a podcast, come on, man. Like, I, you know, right? Like, don't you know? Well, for, for, for this, what we're like, I tend, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea about creativity. I think creativity is just your brain reorganizing junk and making and turning it into something different. And like, I, I never know what junk I'm going to put in my head that is going to be worth pulling while we're recording this program. Like it, uh, what uh, normally whatever bizarre topic that we get off on a given week is just whatever one of us has been like thinking or reading about, be it Jimmy Buffett or sure. Jimmy Buffett, I guess. Like if I'm researching like live show venues for us to do live shows in, and then I click over to Facebook and I see somebody posted like a BuzzFeed quiz of which OC character are you? <laughs> and then I take the quiz, trying as hard as I can to get Sandy Cohen. Using every fiber of my being to try and get Sandy Cohen. Is that research for the show? Guess what? It fucking is because I just talked about it on the show. <laughs> Which means you can also write it off on your taxes. Credit. I just wrote there that BuzzFeed go. quiz off on my taxes. That's right. <laughs> can I tell you guys something? I got Jimmy Cooper. What the uh, fuck, right? Uh, like It's like the worst really? one you could have gotten. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. I, I think did you do it again? Is, I did do it again. <laughs> I think the trick is that you have to remember that creativity has to go with productivity and that while you're doing this research, say like you're going to do an hour, two hours of research and then you're going to write, you know, a, a page. You're going to write 500 words and just put something down or do something. So like if you're going to reward yourself by watching a movie about the thing that's really interesting you, you have to also do the work associated with it and eventually you'll do more work than research. How, when did, obviously, you did a lot of research for Signature of All Things. It, it seems very thoroughly researched. When did you know you had like done enough, or was it like an ongoing process as you were writing? I did like three years of research, so I know this feeling in a way. I know this question about preparing, um, but it wasn't passive. It's I mean, part of it is that you're not just sitting there watching movies or you know I was taking notes the entire time and and filling up shoe boxes with index cards and putting them in order of character and subject and so so you're it's sort of like what Travis was saying you're making something out of what you're doing you're not just you know you're not just randomly surfing um, but the but I think I knew that I was ready when I, ke I kept circling around and finding myself like uh, I would I would open up a book about 19th century botanical exploration and I would feel like I knew most of it already you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. I know, oh, right, 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 I know this, I know this, I know this. So when you start meeting yourself, you know, like your tail and your head connect, then I think then it's time to put the research away and, and, and to get going on actually doing something. Is that scary? Is that, because, like, I think we were pretty intimidated when we, we all listened to, like, a shit ton of podcasts, and and that was, I guess, the preparation we did before we just started doing the show. And we did it, like, we did the first episode on a whim. It was like, hey, we're not doing anything today, let's just pull the trigger on this. But it was like really intimidating. I remember doing that, and um, that was like fucking clown shoes compared to writing a novel. Um, <laughs> so like, how, how like isn't it intimidating to be like, oh shit, like the the safety net's gone. I'm not right. like I can't just write this off as preparation anymore. Now I'm actually right. doing the thing. Right. I just jumped off the the the, the cliff. I think um, if I can be really serious, I feel like what you have to understand always about anything creative and inventive is that creativity and fear are conjoined twins and I think lots of times the reasons that people hold back from being creative is because the fear is so great and so in order to try to murder the fear they end up killing off the creativity as well and um and so you have to just accept that they that they were born together they share all the same organs <laughs> they're always going to be together and and you have to make a lot of space for just allowing the fear to coexist along with the creativity so what I always do before I begin any project is I actually sit down and have a conversation with the fear and just say, um, look, we're going on a road trip, me and creativity, and I know you're coming. <laughs> and, um, I just want you to so know you're that paying for gas. You're, you're going to eat all the you're going to eat all the combos. You're you the don't worst. get to touch the fucking radio. You don't right. get to drive. <laughs> you don't get to hold the map. You don't get to make any decisions, but you get to be in the minivan. And I know that you're going to do the thing that you do, which is to just sit in the back seat and scream at the top of your lungs at every corner, all the horrible things that could go wrong. And 
thank you because I know that's your contribution. <laughs> um, right. But but we're but we're not creativity and I are going to make all the choices and you don't get to make any of them. But you but you have to let it be there um, because it's not. It, I feel like the harder you try to fight it, the more it fights back, and um, and the worse it gets. So you just have to make a lot of. You just have to get a really big minivan <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so that there's room for all three of you. As do you, you have a motivate. do you have any uh, like writing? Ceremony? Do you have to be in a certain place, or listen to certain music, or light a certain votive, or, or anything along those lines? Or do like a certain Fight Club, or do like a, recite your favorite scene from Fight Club? <laughs> yeah, mostly it's reciting my favorite scene. How did you guys know that? Um, Knew it. Uh, We've read your fan fiction. You it's, know, uh, you know how it is. Um, you know, a lot of it is just about. You know, I feel like a lot of it is just about signaling to the weird mysterious forces of creativity that you are actually taking this seriously and and i think that that like it's sort of a signal that you send to yourself and it's a signal that you send to you know the universe for lack of a better term that you're not kidding you know um and and by and there's all sorts of ways you can signal that like one of the ways i do it is that i don't write in my pajamas (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know like i get dressed um oh shit you know like (laughs) I know. I just, I just. I'm in my pajamas. Are you literally now. all in your pajamas right now? Oh, super, definitely, yes. And by oh, no. right now, I mean like I work from home, so basically around the clock, four thirty. I'm like, oh shit, my wife's coming home. I better clean my body. I used to do that, but I feel like it. I feel like it sends a, a message that you're not really awake and that you're not really. So like, I get dressed, especially at the beginning of a project. Like, I'll get dressed like I'm going to something important. You know, like I'll clean the room like it's like a visitor is coming. You know, like I'll. I'll just try to set the scene. And then as the project goes on and I get more confident, I'll get sloppier. But I think at the beginning, the ritual is like, this is important and I'm I'm showing up as if it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I got another question for you. A year and a half ago, my sister began traveling around South America. She saved up her money, sold her house and car, and quit her corporate job. I'm so proud of her and her journey, but I'm also a little uneasy. I can't really relate to her desires or experiences. I also worry about her safety at times. How can I be supportive even if I feel a little left behind. That's from Helpless at Home Base. Oh, I bet it's younger sister. Did it, did it say younger sister? Uh, no, just sister. Oh, it seems like a younger sister thing to do and an older maybe sister the, thing to worry. Um, maybe they're twins. Oh, conjoined twin. Oh, wait, no, no, they would be together. No, that would be I, different. I worry about this because Travis is moving to L.A. I, I have these worries. The South America of America. The South America of America, South America, <laughs> L.A. West America. The left coast. Um, I don't have an answer, so if you got one for me, hook me up. Um, well, first of all, I think it's that the idea that somebody might not want to go on a journey like that is reminds me of a friend of mine who said to me, right when I was about to leave to go on the trip that became me, Pray Love, and I said, I'm, I'm doing, I'm going to Italy for four months, and then I'm going to India, and I'm going to go to this ashram, and I'm going to learn how to meditate, and then I'm going to Indonesia, and he said, oh man, there's a part of me that so wishes that I wanted to do that. <laughs> and I really have no desire whatsoever to do any of those things. Um, I thought that was so lovely and, and honest. Um, That's crazy, because uh, the, the thing about that is, is like the desire doesn't seem like the problem to me so much as like the logistics of something like that it seems like a really complicated plan. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do what this sister has done, but like... That's a lot of commitment to like quit your job and sell your house and your car. And that seems the scary part to me, not the actual traveling part. I know. I think you just have to, I think on behalf of the person who's afraid or, or feels left behind, um, I think you have to be more afraid for her if, if she's not doing the thing that she's called to do, right? Because then, then you lose your, then you really lose your sister. You know, um, like if she stays put in misery or in, in boredom or in torpor when what she really wants to be doing is traveling around South America, then you don't really have the full realization of that person in your life. And um, I think uh, you have to let her go become who she needs to be. Right? We've got an, we've got another question here uh, from a real uh, listener of ours. They said, uh, what does torpor mean? Again? <laughs> <laughs> That's from, that's from uh, just forgot it for a second, but sure, I know it. Is that from, from asking, Mil- for, a fr- asking from for a friend, Asking Justin? for a friend in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's from Bill Cosby. <laughs> from Bill Justin's. No, wait. Bill. Bill. Uh, 
from Bill Microphone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wants to know. Um, I don't know. What do you? Uh, what are you afraid is going to happen to Travis in L.A., Justin? I, Good question. My my wife has a has a, a metaphor she always uses. She says when she was little, she would uh, she liked to put all of her stuffed animals on her bed at once because she felt very secure knowing that they were all there on on her bed where she could keep an eye on them. And and I have similar impulses for family where I wish that I could just keep everybody in sight so I could keep an eye on them and knew what Aww. was uh, what what they were doing and that I could I could protect them. So I, I don't know what the danger is. I just know that I, I have fear about uh, him being that far out of my out of my reach. Um. Well, listen, if we're being honest and open about this, I will say as the person that's leaving, so speaking for the sister that's traveling, the, I think the best thing that you can do, question asker, is to be supportive, even if you don't feel it, which Justin has been wonderful about this, because knowing that someone is back home caring about you helps you make smarter decisions because you hear that voice in your head and you're thinking, what would my sister want me to do? What would my brother want? What would my loved one want me to do in this situation? And it helps you be more responsible about your decisions and really think through things a lot more because you're not being as impulsive because you know that there's someone back home who is supporting you but also is worried about you. On the, on the polar opposite end, I am being like extremely unsupportive of Travis to fill that person sitting in the back of the audience when you just completed your piano concert. And I gotta keep, I gotta keep him hungry and keep him driven. I fill that role, Elizabeth, for a lot of people. For a lot of people in your life? Mm. <laughs> and not in my life. They don't know it. <laughs> I went, just, I'll see you. I went and saw Cloud Atlas, and I will make disparaging remarks about Tom Hanks' performance. He's not going to get those, but if he did get those, he would try a little bit harder, don't you think? <laughs> Griffin, do you generally just sit in the back in the back seat of life um, with your with your spectacles down on your nose, critically watching the uh, the piano recital that is everyone's journey? <laughs> I, I guess I'll ask you, Elizabeth, what is good enough for me? Hmm? <laughs> Griffin, is, Griffin is the Statler and Waldorf of the modern world. He's just hanging out in life's balcony. Right, but like, people. mine is not a punitive, and it's not, I don't fucking enjoy it. I certainly don't enjoy it. It's, it is a, it, it, on my deathbed, I, I'm going to be, you know, cold and alone, and then the door's going to swing open, and then so many successful full friends, Justin, Travis, Elizabeth, you, Tom Hanks, are going <laughs> to run in. They're going to be like, thank you, Griffin, and I'll be like, you're well be. <laughs> That's how it goes. Uh, here's a question. My friend and former roommate came home a while back. Man, I this is going to be a toughie, so let's just all hang <laughs> Let's just all hang in there all together. Right. Okay, I'm, we're, hold, I promise, I'm gripping onto the arms of my chair. We're gonna right get now. through this. You're, you're. I, I'm, I'm sorry about this one in advance, but you did pre-screen these and you gave the thumbs up to all of them. So let's like <laughs> fucking navigate these chop, choppy waters together here. We're, uh, my friend and former roommate came home a while back with a tattoo that said "For Whom" on his chest. When I asked him what it meant, he explained it as a reference to a poem he wrote inspired by the motion picture "E Pray Love." <laughs> The tattoo in question has become the focal point of a lot of teasing. How long can I use this tattoo against him before it gets too mean? I love and kid uh, the kid and cherish his friendship, but I also like pointing out that his tattoo is horrible. That's from Terrible Tattoo at Temple University. One quick <laughs> point before we uh, move on. I like how uh, this <laughs> this person said that the tattoo had become a focal point of a lot of teasing with a non-specific uh, uh, teaser. And right, then it later, and then it immediately clarified the next sentence, like, no, 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 I mean me, from me, I'm the one doing it. Right, it starts with teasing was done, and then right. it uh-huh. goes Someone from, was doing the teasing, the from, direct object of this teasing. From whom? Myself. <laughs> I will answer that for you. <laughs> to whom? Sad friend. Um, um, I, I like that, that there's, I like that he's, I, like, when I, I was trying to figure out what he's asking, I think he's asking... Like, how do I jam in as much ridicule mm-hmm, as possible right. in, in a period of time that is limited? In a tasteful, in a tasteful in way. In a tasteful I way mean, before what happens? Like, then, uh, then you can Before the kid stops talking to him, I guess. Yeah. Before I, tears? I the, the question is always, do you try to pack in as much teasing up front, <laughs> or do you spread it out over several years and just do a moderate amount of teasing, but you get to do it for longer, you know? Is it quantity or quality? I, I, I find everything about this question 
really wonderful, especially the fact that this guy wrote a poem based on the movie Eat, Pray, Love. Well, he got a tattoo based, based on the poem, on poem based on the movie wrote, that's based, based on your book. Yeah, that's like a lot of spinoffs. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, I think if I was this guy, I'd go ahead and read that book before I got that bad boy inked on my chest. <laughs> yeah. Because um, then at least oh, you can say right. it's based on a book and not on the not movie on adaptation, the movie adaptation of, the book. of a book. It's a poem based on a book sounds a lot better or inspired by rather than uh, inspired by the major motion, major motion picture you play I love. I think that the I, person who is teasing should write a novelization of the tattoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my graphic novel. Yes. I, I have a tattoo. Only- <laughs> I have a tattoo on my neck that says danger. It's based on the novelization of the movie Lost in Space with Matthew LeBlanc. So, um, but I, I really get. Do you guys understand the peculiarity of the this fact that this guy doesn't seem to be holding back the teasing at all, nor does anybody mm-hmm. else, and yet there seems to be like some sense that there's a statute of limitations, and I don't know what what that comes from. Like, I'm, that's it hard. comes from it comes from like it doesn't matter what the source material for this tattoo is. You got for whom tattooed on your chest when you're at the beach, especially if you're like a ripped, strong, good body. It looks like you're saying like, "Here's a present for you." America, my body, right? Am I the only one that's getting hit? Like, if you got like a gift tag tattooed around it, like that's what it would look like. Like, I'm a present for you. That's what it sounds like to me. What I love, I think the question is saying, when I see this tattoo or we think about this tattoo, I cannot help but tease this kid about it. Even as I'm doing it, I feel bad, but I can't stop. How much is too mean? Can when I do s- I just need to like cold turkey? I, tease I, I personally, I think the meanest time, <laughs> the meanest time to tease someone about their tattoo is right after they get their tattoo because they're mm-hmm. still going through a lot of things. Like they're still processing a lot. <laughs> and there's probably, if there's any uh, uh, unsure feelings about this, this thing that they've done, it is probably right then. I think you caught them at peak vulnerability, honestly. <laughs> it's also not like teasing someone about their weird hat or like an ugly pair of shoes, he can't go, you're right, and take the tattoo off. See, I feel like when, when Griffin said it feels sort of arrogant, like, you're welcome, America. Right, felt, that's what I'm saying. I felt like totally the opposite. I felt that it felt sort of longing, like, for whom am I? And oh. and then when he meets his great love, he can cross out the whom and put Susan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It can be like, you can add a question mark to the end of for whom, and then Susan, period. Exactly. And then it's like, done, my perp, you know, like, and you keep the whom there as a reminder of your sad, lonelier self, and then it right. becomes kind of a beautiful tattoo, I think. Well. If that doesn't work out, you cross it out and you put Leslie, like whoever, <laughs> you just continue right. as you scratch, go along. Below that, scratch that, and then an M dash. <laughs> now it's Melissa. <laughs> And if you have a long torso, you can just keep going. Yeah. How long is this kid's torso? Is the question. That's a, that's see these are the essentials that we never get in uh in in these bits. Um, I I I I think that we have have uh, imposed on on you for quite long enough. It's been a half hour that we've just been talking to you about garbage. So we're sorry about that. <laughs> that's kind of what we do here. But thank. Oh my God. Travis has changed his Skype picture to him standing with a horse. How am I You're supposed welcome. to continue with that? Travis, Bath that's an it. amazing picture. Your sleeves it's, are rolled well, up. You, you look like you've been doing some, uh, some labor. I, this looks Seconds after this, I rode that horse. No. <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, thank you so much for... Uh, uh, joining us on our program, we've of course mentioned your uh, the the uh, your your books. Do you have anything else you want to plug? You have a uh, 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 your Twitter, of course. Oh, I'm Twitter. Twitter account. I'm at Gilbert Liz, but now that the World Cup is over, I don't have much to say. Um, yeah. And um, but mostly, I just for for sincerity, I just really want to thank you guys for Mabim Bam because it is a joyful and fantastic thing that has brought me so much pleasure and happiness and company when I walk my dog. And, um, and I think I speak for all of America when I say that you're a national treasure. So well, like, you guys. like 30,000 people who live in America, to be I know, precise. I know that you travel a lot. What's the weirdest uh, place that you've ever listened to My Brother, My Brother, and Me? Oh, gosh. I usually listen to it on long airplane trips. So probably um, I saved them up for when I came home from New Zealand last time because that's like a 57-hour flight. Yeah, and, um, and that that was fantastic. It made me very happy. 
Um, well, Thanks, that's, you guys. That's I mean, super it, flattering. I hate, to, I hate to kill the comedy by ending on a note of earnestness. Oh, no. Well, listen, if you didn't do what one of us is going to, that's... Uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. And you were great, and we really appreciate you being here. Thanks, you guys. And now let's get back to lesser just, quality programming. Yeah, I guess. How about a Yahoo? Hit me. Someone sent in by Drew Davenport. Thank you, Drew. Test by Yahoo Answers user D's, who asks Best battle ever? Takes place in the same area that Goku fought Vegeta the first time. Mm-hmm. So, not, not their final battle. We're talking about the first, right? Wait, the, the first word. one, the premiere Goku v Vegeta. Word, word. Gotcha. The first time Goku fought Vegeta. Okay, got it. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so this is in the religion and spirituality section. Obviously. So we're talking about Jeremiah, the the prophet, the weeping prophet. You know him. You might know him from Kings. Um, Fifty foot robot Jeremiah with laser eyes and the mobility of eight ten. Ability to fly, but only for three minutes before a charge-up of five minutes. Low-class shields and five rockets. Machine gun, 200 bullets a mag, one-minute reload time, and unlimited mags. Versus... Uh-huh. 75-foot Alan Rickman with tentacles for arms and beefy legs. Mobility of five out of ten and mid-class shields. Machine gun fire from suckers and tentacles. Reload and mag size the same as above. Unlimited mags and mouth laser equivalent to three eye lasers. Added bonus that he can jump 200 feet higher than Jeremiah can fly, but can also smash the ground with the power of three missiles, but can only do it twice or his shields will break. Jesus, such a good question. It's a really tough one. You got Jeremiah in one corner, author of First and Second Kings. <laughs> Do you think, wait, is it possible that by Jeremiah they mean Jeremy Irons? No, they mean Jeremiah, <laughs> creator of that joint hit, Lamentations. Because I would love to see a battle between giant Jeremy Irons no, and no. Alan Rickman. I don't get the connection between Jeremiah and Alan Rickman. This person needed to put this question somewhere. Religion and spirituality, I imagine, is a pretty good place for like getting answers on your Yahoo mysteries. Um, so he had to get some Bible shit in there somewhere. We got Jeremiah. Do you need the stats again? 50 feet Jeremiah. He's 8 out of 10 speed. That's pretty fast. He can fly, but only for three minutes, well, and he has to charge up for five. So it's not like an unlimited thing. Alan Rickman can't fly. He does have tentacle machine gun arms. He can jump <laughs> super high, though, and when he pounds the ground, it has the strength of three missiles. Can't do that more than twice, so, or his shields will break, though. Can they well, call him? One thing I know about Jeremiah, mm-hmm. it's that he was a bullfrog. Don't. No, come on. And he was a good friend of Justin. Mine. Start but talking. I think that the can problem they call is. It, can they call in uh, uh, reinforcements? Can Jeremiah call in another biblical prophet? Can Jeremiah call in like uh, Matthew or Mark or Luke? And Alan Rickman can call it. I don't know, like Jason Isaacs. Janine Garofalo. <laughs> Hello, Jason Isaacs. Join me. Take one of my tentacle arms, dislodge it from my body, and use it to defend yourself. So your problem with this question is that there's not enough specificity in the powers (laughs) that have been allotted to Jeremiah the Biblical prophet and Alan Rickman, who was right. I'm saying they are they still human, or is this like a Mecha, like Voltron, Ultraman? We might be looking at an Ultraman scenario. So robotic cyber Alan Rickman. I think in this situation, Jeremiah is is Ultraman. And I think okay, gotcha. Alan Rickman might be the the kaiju. Gotcha. I'm going to have to go Alan Rickman every time. He I does. Work. He has a significant height advantage. Mm-hmm. He's slower. And that's, I think, the only thing that Jeremiah has going from That extra three points of speed. It's going to fucking count on the battlefield. But he can, he can jump and hit the ground with the power of three missiles. That's true. But Jeremiah has five rockets. So you throw, you throw Alan Rickman in the air. You're basically like skeet shooting at that point. You get, and you think you think Alan Rickman's about to win, but Je- then Jeremiah finds the locket that Alan Rickman bought for his secretary in his mm-hmm. coat pocket, and he gets so pissed. He off. gets fucking angry, and then he turns around, turns the whole battle around, and mm-hmm. Jeremiah brings him down. And um, then Jeremiah reaches behind between his shoulder blades and pulls the gun that he had duct taped there and shoots Alan Rickman. Well, Alan Rickman he didn't do that. Falls out the window. Oh, what? he did do that. No, yeah, you're right. Um... No, that was in Lamentations. That was in Lamentations 5-6. Yippee-ki-yay, Holy Father. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This has been our podcast, My Brother, My Brother, Me. We hope you've had a lot of fun uh, listening to it and enjoying and absorbing it, but not too much absorption, actually. That doesn't seem healthy. 
Uh, we have a ton of other stuff. There's literally, I can say there's now hundreds of, of previous episodes. Uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, we have a YouTube channel that Travis has been feverishly updating. It's YouTube slash MBMBAM. Including uh, some animated videos that Tyler Crowley made for us, and they are wonderful. Thank Go you, Tyler. Out. We're on Twitter, too. Twitter slash MBMBAM. Uh, we have a Facebook. We have two Facebook groups. I'm not sure which one you want to join, so join them both. And um, uh, there's a lot, We're on the Maximum Fun Network. We're proud members of the Maximum Fun Network. Uh, and you should be listening to all the other programs on there, like Jordan, Jesse, Go, Judge, John Hodgman, Stop Podcasting Yourself. Sawbones. Goose Down, Lady to Lady. Thank you, Griffin. Sawbones uh, is, a, is a show I do with my wife about medical history. Um, and there's many, many others that you can enjoy right now going to MaximumFun.org. Uh, big thanks. thanks again to Liz Gilbert yes. for, for joining us. Liz, huh? Uh, Liz, wow, you guys are close, huh? Yeah, I mean, we've really gotten to know each other over the last two weeks, so you guys can all F off. Okay, I mean, I've been on that email thread. I didn't think that you had. I didn't think you had like. Yeah. Liz writes. No, thank thank you. We haven't recorded that bit yet, but I bet it's great. Um, Also, big thanks to. (laughs) Unless she tanked. Unless she tanked. tanked. (laughs) Yikes! Um, If she tanked, then no thanks. (laughs) Um, With big thanks. I saw winging on this from Liz Gilbert. <laughs> I think if she bombs, she's back to Elizabeth. <laughs> we can't be buds anymore. Um, big old thanks to John Roderick and the Long Winters for the use of our theme song. It's a departure off the album Putting the Days to Bed. An album everyone should own. It's required listening. Um, required, required purchasing is that album. Thank you, John Roderick. Should we close it uh, out? Yeah, close it out. Griffin, you got one more Yahoo? And thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, here we go. It's fine, Yahoo. Sent in by True Davenport. Thank you, Drew Davenport. Forever. It's by Yahoo Answers user Scott, who asks, <clears throat> Which restaurants in New York City serve wolf meat? <laughs> I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Travis McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. This has been my brother, my brother, me. Kiss your dad. Square on the lips. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I'm Cameron Esposito. I'm Rhea Butcher. I am Ricky Carmona. And we are the cast members, what, I don't know, podcastiness of Wham Bam Pal. That's an action sci-fi movie podcast you can find on MaximumFun.org or on iTunes. And what do we do? News reviews and things you can use. Tons of things you can use. We break it down so it can forever be broken. Hilarious jokes. Plus, sometimes there's a dog in the studio. Sometimes there's a dog here. We'll see you in your earbuds. (laughs) 